It's uh, 11, 16, um, and 7, 25, 2019. Um, I'm just sort of starting a new um, uh, prayer or, or worship cycle, I guess. Um, I'm working with a Morigan energy now, so I thought I would just leave the phone recording as I go throughout my thinkings and dwellings and talkings, which seems to be what helps the understanding collect a little bit more. So, what I was saying was, <clears throat> I was wanting to get used to the Morigan uh, energy and to sort of bring it into my, my, my space that I'm working with a little bit more. And as I was thinking about that, I looked up on the TV and I saw the, um, uh, um, it was the, the capital, the uh, capital of the United States uh, in Washington, D.C. And as I looked at Washington, D.C., I could tell a few things uh, right off the bat. I saw to the left of the, the screen, of the TV screen, um, I saw what looked like the, um, the yard in front was more of an opening up, almost like... Um, a uh, flower that had opened up, had already opened. And then when I looked to the opposite of that, I saw more of a straight and narrow sort of road or walkway for, um, I guess, the people that would walk back and forth. Um, I thought that was interesting because one is the opposite of the other. Um, you'd have more one that was blossomed or opened and one that was more logical um, and straight. And then I noticed the actual capital itself has three main parts to it. Two of them are kind of similar, but on opposite ends of one another. Um, there are two rectangular-like um, portions of the capital, and in the middle there's a circular. Once again, you've got the logical, straightforward, and then you've got the circular or the round of the opened up, um, which was um, the the actual middle part of the capital. So, um, I immediately saw that as that's work that has been done by people who were a little bit more knowledge in the, the, the development and the building of things, uh, hence masonry. And so I linked that to, at that moment since it came up, and it was 1111, um, the time was 1111 at that time, I took it as a synchronicity as far as me trying to get in touch with the Morigan energy, which I think the door was open um, at that time. Or that's what I'm alluding to. And then after that, I started thinking, well, what would, how do I get in touch with the Morigan, or how would the Morigan like to be connected with her if it was going to come and dwell in my current space? Um, what would make it comfortable? Well, then I noticed it was a little bit bright inside of the room, and so I turned the TV itself off, and I also turned off the lamp, and that kind of 
um, made it a little less bright, and then um, I thought how your mind or your brain, when there's more light, your intuitive side or your um, your other less logical side doesn't come through as much because the light is there to sort of guide and give and instruct a little bit more. But when the light's turned off, you have more of a, uh, your mind is able to focus on subtler things, things that are more inside your mind, um, maybe things that you thought about, things that you feel, so it's a more of an, it's an opposite side. Um, with the, with the light being off, then after that, I was asking, well, what else, what else would the Morigan want um, when coming into um, a, a dwelling or a space like this? Well, I had my rings on, and I immediately started to uh, focus and take off my rings, uh, my serpent ring and my onk ring. Um, I take, I've been taking them off to, um, at night. My fingers, they, they feel, the rings feel a little bit tight, so I've been taking them off. Um, so I took, so I felt the need to take, a, take it off to be more comfortable. And so I realized, okay, comfort then. Um, comfort is something that the, well, not just the comfort, right? Because if we have, if we were, we have to look at opposites when doing this, right? Because, for example, when we were uh, seeing the picture of the um, the Washington D.C. Um, the Capitol, you had the opposites. You had the more uh, opened up end or blossoming end of the building, and the more logical condensed. Um, end of it. So these are opposites, right? So you have to pair up opposites. Um, so if then um, the Morrigan is about comfort of some sort, then there must be a a, um, a, a kindness or an understanding of um, what we would perceive as being uncomfortable. Um, the Morrigan is symbolic of um, life, death, and rebirth, rebirth. It's kind of tied into the, um, the Trinity. Um, the, and to confirm this, um, that the Morrigan is linked to the Trinity, um, you can look at, um, there's an aspect of the Morrigan where they say she is actually a part of the Tuatha de Danan which are the um, the children of the goddess of Dan Danu, which if you go back further enough and if you search in certain places, you come to find out that Danu is actually Anu from Sumer. And for somehow, somehow and for some reason, the Celtics actually changed it a bit. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe they felt the need to not have a masculine-oriented um, archetype um, and made it more of a um, feminine archetype, which it would make sense because if they were basing it around maybe if, if the land was just was that um, the land was that type of energy because they would have landed in um, was it in um, old old Britain right or in Ireland right and so if the land itself was more feminine in nature. Um, um, uh, Britain and um, even Ireland is um, surrounded by water, right? So um, maybe that's more of the vibe that they were kind of going along with as opposed to the more masculine uh, Sumerian, Babylonian, um, Anunnaki-oriented um, archetypes, uh, which is why we have a lot of the goddesses from um, the Celtic 
mythology and the Celtic Celtic um, uh, lineages, essentially, right? So, okay. So, if the Morrigan is actually a Tuatha de Danann, then it she is linked, or it, because uh, I believe it's 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 trying, it's it's just Trinity oriented. It's the the, the maiden the mother and the crone, but it's also, there's an aspect of the Morian, which I guess is her son. Um, but maybe that even, maybe that even means the son of, of the Morrigan, meaning like the soul, or kind of like how, um, uh, son means, um, the physical son, but it also means the esoteric son. Uh, so maybe, maybe the, um, Morgan, which, I don't know, maybe Morgan is more, um, it equates more to the masculine aspect of the Morrigan as opposed to, say, Morgan Le Fay, which would be more um, female aspect oriented. So, okay. Um, so that was just two. And that's kind of how we do this when we build up this, this archetypal framework. And I think I haven't done this in a long time. Um, I think I did it when I first got involved with um, um, my um, ancient Egyptian um, uh, path work. I think I really delved in with the archetypes and creating and understanding and building that. I think it has a lot to do with that new freshness. I think when you've been working with an energy for a period of time, I think it's almost like the, uh, you get comfortable with it and I don't know if it, I don't know, I don't know if it, I think maybe it dissipates. Um, like it wanes or waxes, and then, or I'm sorry, it wanes, and then it just sort of disappears until you build it back up. But sometimes building it back up is very, very difficult, and I think that's actually why I'm on this particular track right now, because I kind of feel like the Egyptian Sumerian um, energy just kind of came to an end, almost like I pulled a lot of information down. And I connected with those energies. And it seemed like for those particular times that I was going through, it was very connected, very responsive. But I don't feel like that's happening anymore. Or maybe I'm just um, mentally too busy and I can't, I can't uh, just slow down enough to have things naturally happen. I don't know. But it's kind of why I'm recording this down here so that I can kind of go back and I can um, sort of reread and listen to what I've kind of been going through. Maybe I can make this more logical going forward. Um, have an actual handbook or an actual understanding of how you actually walk energy or how you, which I did before. I understand I came up with a, with a how to walk energy from, but I guess maybe I'm at the end of that, right? Maybe that's, that's kind of what, so I'm starting up again. And so instead of starting up with the same energy I was working with before, I don't know, I think maybe I need to go on to something new. Um, I was going to try the Atlantean energy, but it seemed like that was just another carbon copy of the um, Sumerian, um, uh, Mesopotamian, Babylonian energy. And there's less information on that, and I just don't know if I was really ready to go into that. I'm sure it'll come back around at some point down the road. Um, so off we go to the Isles, right? The British Isles. 
uh, we go off to Ireland, we go off to Britain, Britannia, right? Um, as I, I was, um, there was something that was on the internet probably, uh, early this year about how the BBC um, put out some news article on how they found um, uh, Neanderthals in, um, uh, I'm not sure if it was in Ireland or if it was in England somewhere, but they found these Neanderthals, these Cro-Magnon, I don't know if they were Cro-Magnon, but they were, they were, they were big ass, like, uh, uh, people who had um, lived in that area. And they, what they found out was these people actually had the same DNA as um, um, as some um, African descendants did. And so they had sort of rationalized that they were probably, they were most likely from Africa and a lot of um, uh, people left the, that continent um, after a period of time. And it's very possible that they went to the British Isles or to Ireland and, um, and that's kind of um, what happened. So it's a natural progression to go from, say, like a Sumer, um, Babylonian, Mesopotamian um, culture to a, um, I don't know what you call it, to a Celtic, because there's a link there because of the Tuatha de Danan. That's the link, right? So, um, that's all in just the first two steps of how to um, uh, how to generate uh, some energy for when you go do your, your meditations and uh, your prayers or your rituals or your work, whatever you do. There has to be a three. There's always a three, right? So if the first is um, you need to have less light because she is a moon goddess. So less sunlight, less solar light, right? Um, and then two, there's a level of um, comfort. But then in comfort, you possibly even have stagnation, which then leads to death. So it has to be a balance of these things, right? Um, like a balance between light and dark. The moon does cast a light, but it's not as strong as the sunlight. So it's a balance between the two. Um, comfort, you have to have a balance. If you're too comfortable, then you stagnate, you die. If you are uncomfortable enough, it keeps you responsive and moving forward and progressing. So what would the three be? The three. Um, three, that's kind of where I'm at right now. What would be a third thing that the goddess would want? It was, she was going to come and dwell with you. Your time. Your attention. She comes in bearing protection. So maybe with the first two, you get a third. So you get the first two by, you have the lessening of the light, which then illuminates your own light, right? And then you have the, the, the balance of comfort. Because even then turning off the light does put you in a place of, if you're not, if you're not completely safe or secure in the place that you're in, you turn the lights off, it kind of puts you in a different space because you're not, can't see the things in the darkness. Um, so there's those two to kind of pair together. And then maybe the third is the protection. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, that brings up an interesting, um, some interesting insight. 
let's just say, for instance, okay, let's trip this, let's trip this off, okay. We just came to the first two conclusions. The first two conclusions were, the first was um, light, right? Um, if you can turn off the sunlight, then you, your internal light should illuminate. So you have light, right? Um, light and dark, right, contrasting. And then you also have comfort, balance of comfort um, and stagnation, right? Comfort and stagnation, right? So you have light, dark, comfort, and stagnation, right? And then because of that, if you put yourself into a situation where you don't have as much light, and you're not maybe as comfortable, maybe you're not really, maybe you're in the, I don't know, somewhere where, it's dark, where you've made it dark, and um, you're quite comfortable that you're secure in the darkness, but let's just say, for instance, if you're not completely feeling because the light is off, and I think light does give a form of um, protection mentally, emotionally, I think it does. Um, even to know, even, even to know that if a light is off and there's complete darkness around you, and there's still that small, minute aspect of you that feels something could happen. Like you could walk and bump a toe. Um, something could happen, right? As opposed to if the light was on, you probably wouldn't bump your toe if you were walking, right? So the third, the third thing that you would get by contributing your, your, by contributing your lack of security by turning light off, which would precede a meditation, right? And then also seeking comfort, but also knowing that you are uncomfortable because of the very reason that you, and actually before this, I was feeling uncomfortable, which is why I started to you start working and looking with this energy. So there was an uncomfort that was there, and then I wanted to be comfort, comfortable. So there is a form of, um, there's a correlation there. The third would be then, dare I say, maybe, then you do get the love and the protection. But those, those would be the same, love and protection, wouldn't it? So you'd have to pair up love and war. You would get the love and the war paired together. That would make sense for, uh, well, how they portray some of the, well, any of our highly advanced spiritual races we would be a blend of, uh, of, uh, fighter and an also compassionate person. It should be both. So love and war. So let's just say you have number one, you have light and dark, right? Which equates to security and lack of security. And then you have comfort and uncomfort or discomfort and comfort which would then kind of be on the cross of 
um, life in stagnation. It's life in, or stagnation, which is a, a life and death. And then love and war, which then would be on the prow of the cross. Peace, money, yeah, love and war. We figure that one out later. That I am not quite sure what that would be. Love and war, maybe justice, and and injustice. That's possible. Okay. So I'm gonna see if those three help me ease into uh, sort of understanding, feeling this energy out a little bit more. I haven't really worked with the Celtic energy exclusively before, so I'm not. But I have had an encounter with it. Um, I had a dream where I saw a goddess on an open green field, as if it was in Ireland or on some grassy knoll somewhere. Uh, and there was a king there. And she was anointing him with the beer. Now, I don't know who the hell this king was. I mean, I don't know if it was maybe just something playing out, like a, like if I'd said, like maybe if it had happened before, that's what it was. So maybe I was experiencing something at that time before I was seeing what had been done beforehand, the anointing of the land. The, um, the the rule by some um, subverted sovereignty sovereign sovereign rule and it was more the Morrigan who was there most important it was the Morrigan or it was Mad you know I think it was the Morrigan I don't think Mad came to me um, until I started really thinking about her a little bit more after um, working from the Morrigan to, um, there was another, there was another goddess, um, and she had red hair, um, Carrie Dwin, that's what it was, Carrie Dwin. So, um, maybe I'll make this the second part of this video, the second part of this audio, okay. So yeah, so I'm going to end this with, um, uh, that's would be a great way of how you would get into a um, meditation or a, a trance or a way to start working with um, a particular energy, especially from the beginning. So uh, this is me signing off, and I'll start the next one here soon. All right, right afterwards. The next one will be about um, uh, oh the three the three that came to me course I think it might have been a couple of weeks or so so the trinity that came to me from working with this energy so stay tuned all right this is um episode two of the morigan actually I like this I'm kind of actually digging it uh, yeah, I actually like that. We'll see how it goes when I get into the actual meditation portion of it. So as far as, so far I haven't even gotten to the meditation portion of it. 
you have to build, when I work, I have to build up a framework, a cultural framework. I have to build up a, kind of like when you watch a movie or read a book or when you're talking to someone, talking to a friend, you listen to the world that is going on and around them and you feel your mind and your thoughts and your space with that particular information that you're sharing with that person or with those people, right? And so that's what a lot of this is, is connecting with an energy. And I found that you connect with an energy on a personal level, as if almost as a family member. It's more, it's a bit more stronger. Um, I've been having some issues slipping into meditations here recently, which is why I decided to pick up uh, doing something else and working with the Morigan and the Celtic energy, simply because... I don't really know why. I just felt like I was not having that connection as much afterwards. I think, once again, because I got comfortable. And in the comfort, I think I was starting to stagnate, and which is why I was feeling these feelings of being upset and uh, depressed and angry at times and things of that nature. So if I stir it up a bit, your mind starts to wander instead of you um, sort of assuming um, what's going to happen because you're comfortable with the situation so it's about becoming uncomfortable um, as I say this I remember watching I was just talking to a, a friend and I was telling them how I had realized that there was a sort of specialness or there was through all this, this um, uh, work that you perform on yourself as you're trying to peel back all these layers what you're really doing is you're getting to the core of yourself, which is vulnerability. And how this vulnerability is the real you. It's who you were so long ago before you started putting all the other layers of everything up. And it's just the core you. And at first, this is terrifying. It's freaking terrifying for days because like I said, you've been putting up walls, or we've been, or I've been putting up walls to protect your core self, who you were when you were like maybe first born, because you had to contend in this life or in this world, or you just had to get a little more serious, right? Um, so a lot of this work, this path work, this meditations, personal, um, spiritual work is about peeling back all those layers to get to that part that you put all these walls and layers up to try to protect, which is ironic, right? But it's all about opposites, right? Life is all about opposites, at least this path work is. So, um, and then after I mentioned this, this I had I, I mentioned this vulnerability um, tangent. I was watching a show, um, a Netflix show called The Dragon Prince. It's very, very esoteric spiritual show. It's really good, and the. Uh, the king, he's about to get attacked and he's about to die and he's writing this letter note to his, his son, uh, actually his stepson, and he's telling him how to be um, uh, a good person and how to be a, help his brother be a good king and be his moral code and ethic. And he says basically, you can don't create a future based on the past um, because people will tell you and sell you on the past was achieved through power and conquest and all these things. And he's like, that's not the whole part of it. That's just a small part that they're, that they're selling you on. So he mentions, he says, look forward towards the future and build off of your, um, off of your heart. And you can only really accomplish that through vulnerability. 
and he says it's something that he wished he had learned earlier on in life but he was sort of passing this um, this information or this idea down to his son that vulnerability is what gave you the heart to do what's right if you were balanced right and to and it would allow you to create a future based on uh, your emotion love not just for yourself but also for others it was a great thing great thing so uh, this was the term vulnerability sort of ringing in um, in my ear like I think it was within like maybe six hours or so a few hours or so so vulnerability has a has a bit to do with it so when you get yourself out of like I got myself out of working with the ancient Egyptian the ancient Sumerian Mesopotamian Babylonian energy and because comfortable with it so now I've moved to the Celtic energy and like I've said if you've been listening to this um, it puts me in a different place I'm not really comfortable or used to it's not usual so it puts me in a vulnerable position and I think that vulnerability will I hope that vulnerability will jumpstart some part of me that connects with a part of uh, the uh, the energy on the outside world that's what I'm hoping for um, to pull down that energy it's funny as I say that I thought I just heard something as far as uh, something singing um, yeah like a yeah anyways almost like a flute like a do 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 anyways probably be it but whatever it's alright so um alright so I want to talk about the the three um the trinity that came to me um I don't know if the, I haven't really checked out what the actual trinity was I read it a while back but I can't remember what it was but the Celtic trinity so what happened with me was first I came across the Mordigon energy and I was familiar with it a little bit because um, I've watched a few shows um, based on Merlin, Mer um, uh, Merlin Arthurian lore that talks about uh, Mor Morgana, uh, Morgan Le Fay or Morgana. Um, so I know a little bit surface-wise of, of uh, Morgan, but it's different with Morgana. She's, yeah, um, I think she was an actual like queen or something like that. That was. Um, oh, I don't know, because they call her Morgan Le Fay, and I've been told that Le Fay actually means fairy. So I don't know if that means she was an actual fairy, or it means she practiced fey. Like, she practiced fey energy. I'm not sure. I don't know if she practiced fey magic. I don't even know if that is a thing. Um, but she was a little bit darker uh, towards the end, um, and I can see how that energy getting to a person might corrupt them a little more. Um, so, um, yeah, so we, so, um, the Morrigan came to me first, right? And like I said, I saw this, um, this goddess on this green knoll, and she was anointing, uh, a, a king, giving him sovereignty over the land. So I was able to see a poor, um, get a glimpse of the, the rites that they used to do when the land was married to the king, and, um, and all these things. Um, so I was actually shown that. And then after that, um, Morrigan is linked, she's very closely, um, to me at least, was linked to um, Ke um, Keridwen. And Keridwen was the goddess of 
I'm trying to remember, Kerry Dwin was, uh, she created the three, wait, wait, there was a, there was a cauldron, oh, she created, um, her son was, um, I can't remember his name, he was the bard, um, Taliesin, Taliesin, that's right, because I was going to use Taliesin as a name in a cosplay, um, that I was doing. That's when I started learning a, a, quite a bit about the um, the Celtic um, um, energy and lore. So, Ceridwen, she had a son and she had a daughter and then the son was ugly and the daughter was not and I can't remember the whole story on it, but she created some potion to make him, uh, she, and she boiled something, like in a cauldron, and she um, made him handsome, I think? I can't remember. But, um, that's linked to, I believe, I want to say the three Morrigans, but I'm not sure, I can't remember. Um, but she was a, um, like a fertility or a life and death goddess as, as well. So we had... Um, we had Morigan, uh, and then we have Kedoduin, and then we had, afterwards, I started wanting to, like, learn and peek into um, Queen Mab, and I'd only known that from uh, the movie Merlin that I watched. So her name, I thought it was M-A-A-B, and I've seen where it's spelled M-A-B, M-A apostrophe A-B. And also M-A-U-V, like moth. So I'm not quite sure what it actually is. But she was called, a, um, I think she was like the, the the queen of the fairies or something like that. I think that's what it was. So she was the queen of the fairies or the queen of the fae. Not quite sure what that actually means. Um, yeah, she was the queen or goddess of the, uh, of, the of the fairy people. So that's as far, as far as I got with Queen Mab. Um, those were the three shrines that came to me. I'll work with those in um, either as one or independently to see which one I resonate with, um, and then kind of kind of go from there. So um, this recording will probably be a little bit shorter than the other one because the other one had more background information in it, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So uh, I'm going to um, try implementing those. I'm actually going to implement those and then I'll report back. So thanks for listening and 10-4, check it out. Bye. on um i just got some little messages i went to the restroom and um i just realized how people's expectations of life are a little bit different um you may have an idea of an end result but how you actually get there 
some people not willing to make those sacrifices, which is understandable. I don't think I really understood that before the whole, not just the end result, but the process that a person goes through in making a decision to not do something or do something. Um, and so that happened probably like a couple of minutes ago. And just now, I came to a conclusion that I was going to use a um, a triple goddess, which would be um, Morigan, Keridwen, and Queen Mab. And in my head, I saw a young. Hold on, I gotta turn my lot off. Hey Google, turn off Wajet. Hey Google. Turn off the living room. Okay, um, so what I realized was that what I saw, if I use a Morigan, I saw her as a young Morigan in my head. I saw a picture earlier on Pinterest and I saw a young Morigan with um, uh, blackness in the background. She had a black dress on, and there were crows kind of like um, mixed in with the darkness around her. But she was young and she was vibrant. So I saw her as the maiden Mordigon, um, the young, vibrant one. Um, we all remember being young when we were young and vibrant, and what we wanted, we wanted whether we were right or wrong, and that's what she represents. Um, the virility of um, being and, 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 and exerting how you are because you are that vibrant energy. Uh, Keridwen, more so being the mother, the understanding mother of fertility and life and death, but fertility and um, her daughter is the, the young Morigan, the young. Um, I want to say passionate, not really fiery, but more so passionate as far as um, uh, life and death and doing. And then you've got Mab, Queen Mab, who is the older, uh, dare I say, I don't want to say cronish, but more wiser one, who even even though Keridwen is wise, Mab is eons or ages more wise, uh, a slower moving energy that's been around for a lot longer that encapsulates uh, the others, but they're all sort of the same. And then also each, so that would be the trinity, but then I also saw each trine would have its own trine. And what that means is the Morigan, even though she is the first maiden, she's the first part of the, um, one of the trine, the first trine in the trinity of the Mab, <clears throat> of the Morigan carried one, and Mab Trinity. She's also the triple um, Morigan as well. So she'd be the younger Morigan, and then the more mature or motherly Morigan, and then the older, wiser Morigan. She would take on or be blended with the other two, um, the other two that are in the main Trinity. And so would they take on the aspects of, say, Keridwen, would then take on an aspect of being the young Keridwen, who, yes, while still 
being like her in her mother form would now be a younger girl mother form. Imagine a young girl who loves to take care of flowers and uh, take care of um, um, uh, animals and loves to talk to nature, um, the things that are living. That would be a young Keridwen. Um The mother Keridwen would be the one who has done this for, for long periods of time and uh, her garden, her, 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 her family, her, her flowers, her life are the things that she knows. Um, and then there also be, would be the older Keridwen who would have done all these things, um, wouldn't necessarily be as actively involved in them, would have left them to her younger, maybe daughter or her younger self, and she's more of the age-old um, uh, energy, kind of like M Mab, where it's just, it's older and slower and more wiser than it is in its younger form, in its younger iteration, which we all can understand going through the younger to um, the the maiden to the mother to the crone and so you just apply each one of those um, trinities to their own trine as well um, and then we've got Queen Mab who would then have her trinity where she would be like the young Mab and that's where it gets interesting because if she is the eldest of the eldest in this trine and she has to take on an aspect of being young what does the the eldest of the eldest how does it turn into the youngest what is the energy of the eldest becoming the youngest it's like does it revert to such a state that's even beyond say the young girl does it revert what does it revert to what is its what is this predisposition energy and maybe that's something that is to be revealed because it is something that we don't know um and also uh, so that would be um queen mab in her um in her younger form in her uh, motherly form she well she is the the queen of the fae right she's the queen of magic sorry I heard something again it's I think one of either a computer system or something in my apartment is whirring and it almost sounds like it was singing like I thought I heard like imagine like an, an old Irish or Celtic flute where you can hear it humming in the trees um, at, at night just this this Maybe like wind blowing through a reed. Um, interesting visualization that just came to me. That just came to me all of a sudden. I have interesting visualizations and interesting work that I work on. That's kind of why I wanted to record them. Um, this is not rehearsed. Um, I am sitting here on the floor in front of my um, my little shrine that um, used to have Egyptian... Um, work on it but now it doesn't um, I have a, um, a picture of uh, the great dragon Tiamat um, I also have um, the sword, the wand the cup and the crystal um, in each of their respective places on my table and I'm here talking recording 
and also just letting things flow through. So I think we'll leave that there, and um, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.